If you'll look with me in John chapter 8, that's where I'll be. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. The focus is really 3 through 11. But I'm going to begin today what's going to take four weeks to walk through. And it's just the, the reset series. And again, if, if my PowerPoint was working, you'd be able to see this. So I'm just going to tell you. And if you'd like to write things down, just write it down so you'll know where we're going. But today, the first part of the reset series is cast the first stone. Cast the first stone. It's out of John chapter 8. And it is that passage where... Uh, that we're going to read in just a moment where the Pharisees bring a woman to Jesus and they want her condemned. And Jesus responds with those great words. If you're without sin, you throw the first stone. You be the first one to throw the, throw the rocks. So that's one we'll look at today. That's, that's the reset. The woman in this story, she needed a reset. And we're going to talk about that. When you come back next week, we're going to look at the second one. Take off your shoes. That'll be the title of it. Take off your shoes. And the scripture we're going to look at will be in the Old Testament. We're going to look at how God took Moses after he was out in the desert for 40 years. Okay, basically all of his, uh, let's call them productive years of his adult life. Let's just call it that. What, what so many people think of, you know, your, your first 40 years as, a, as an adult when you're supposed to be productive and doing something with your life. Well, Moses was on the backside of the desert hiding out. He had left Egypt because, you know, some things didn't go well and he wound up killing somebody. That's, that's the nice, nice way to say it. And uh, so he spent 40 years out there, but God did not leave him out there forever. And God spoke to him from a burning bush. And one of the first things God said to him was, take off your shoes to place your standings holy ground. I don't know what that was, Candy. <laughs> you almost came out of your shoes. I saw that. <laughs> That's good. All right, did it keep going? All right, we have a lizard in church. That's fun. He'll probably come up here to me next. All right, third week. When we get to the third part of the reset series, it's Stop My Stupid. That's the title I'm going to go with, Stop My Stupid. And we're going to look back in the New Testament again, and we're going to look at that guy named Saul that we usually refer to as Paul. We're going to look at Saul, and, and Saul was a very religious man, and he thought he was doing the right thing. He really believed he was serving God. He really believed he was honoring God with his life. But everything he thought about Jesus was wrong. Everything he thought about how to serve God was incorrect. And sometimes people find themselves there. So stop my stupid. You need a reset. You need to change this. And then the fourth part of the reset series, I'm just going to call it, give me a sign. Give me a sign. Give me a sign, God. I need a sign. And if you've been there as a believer, you know what I'm talking about. There are times when, when you think you're going the right way and you're serving God and, and, and everything just kind of stalls out. And all of a sudden, there's no, there's no vision, there's no motivation, there's no anything for where do I go, what do I do next? And that happened to the Apostle Paul, and he needed a reset. And so what Paul did when he got to that spot was he just held, where he, held, held what he had. He just stayed put. He just stopped right there, and he just waited for God to speak to him, and God did speak to him in a dream. And all of a sudden, he knew he needed to go west instead of going east, and that literally changed the world changed the history of the world when the gospel began to make its way toward Europe. So 
It was a true reset in his life and in the lives of the people with him. And it literally became a reset for the world because that's the way the gospel expanded throughout Western civilization. So those are the four things. That's the, the four ways of looking at it. And we'll be working on that each week. Now, today, it's cast the first stone. So if you're, you've got a Bible in your hand, let's read it together. John chapter 8. I'm go, I will go ahead and start at verse 1. And I'll make my way through verse 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. And all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and he began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And Jesus said, No one, Lord. And he said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. Let's pause here and pray. Father in heaven, we love you. And you sent Jesus to teach us, to show us the way to help us hear the words that we really need to hear, to see the example that we really needed to see, and to show us how to live our lives in the year 2018. And so as we read this tonight, today, we, we want to translate it into today. We want to understand it, and we want it to make a difference in the way we live. So help us now as we think about it together. In Jesus' name, amen. So cast the first stone. What I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to give you just four observations from this passage. You probably see some things that I don't see, but I want to share with you these four because I think all four of these tie into a reset. Now, if you're here today and you're thinking about a reset specifically like this woman, I mean, her reset is from sin. You know, she's she there's no explanation about. You know, how she got in this circumstance or, or any of the background. We don't know any of that. All we just know is that there was sin involved. And we know that, uh, that you know, she has been part of a trap that was set for Jesus. They were after Jesus. They were using her. And that's what happened. And they put it all together. And then Jesus blew up their trap. That's what he did. He just destroyed it. And so if you're, if you're here today and you're thinking about the impact of sin on your own life, if you're thinking about, well, you know, I don't really know how I got in this situation either, but here I am, and I just need a reset today, then this is a great scripture to look at. Uh, in a bigger context, we as a church, we're also thinking about a reset because, you know, we've been meeting together since February. We've been doing a lot of things, and so much has happened. And, you know, and Nancy's back, and everybody's like, let me tell you a few things, Nancy. Let me fill you in on the story. I know other people have been telling you, but let me tell you my part. And you know what will happen? Nancy and I will get to sit down soon, and I'll just be able to tell you, you know, all my stuff too. So you'll just know. And, uh, and, and we do that. But today is, is really a reset day for us 
That's really what it is. It's a time for us to look around at one another, look up to God and say, okay, God, we're just going to push the reset button and see what you want to do. Because we are your people, right? We are your people. And, and it's groups like this that meet everywhere in the world. Even in those places of the world where it's supposed to be illegal and you're not supposed to, to uh, meet together, you know it's happening today. And little apartments and little rooms and little buildings. There are Christian people gathered together. They'll sing songs if they can. They'll read the scripture. They'll think about it. They'll pray about it together. They will honor Christ with their lives. And they'll go out and try to serve him wherever they are. And that's what we do. That's what we do. And sometimes you just need a reset. All right, well, let me give you four of these today. So this is, this is what I would say. Using this scripture and what happened with Jesus, the Pharisees, and the woman that's here that we don't know her name... I always want to give her a name, you know, I don't, I don't, like I'm never comfortable standing up talking about that woman. I just, I want to call her, you know, Susan or Mary or something. I want to give her a name, but we don't have a name. But looking at her situation, how do we think about the reset? And this is the first thing I would say to you. Number one, watch out for the religious people. Watch out for the religious people. And here's what I mean by that. These Pharisees, they... They tried to set a trap for Jesus, and they didn't care one thing about this woman. They didn't care about her at all. Now, we don't know the background. We don't know how the situation developed. We don't know how the, the trap was laid. We don't know any of those things. We just know they brought her. She was their test case, and they tried to set Jesus up on one side and the law of Moses on the other, and they wanted everybody to hear about it, and they, they wanted to just say to Jesus, okay, that's what the law says, but what do you say, Jesus? They wanted to give him a no-win situation, a lose-lose option. Now, that's what religious people will do to you. They'll give you a lose-lose option. Do this, and it's bad for you. Do this, and it's worse for you. Lose-lose. You know, that's what religious people... Now, I need to say this today because I was thinking about yesterday. I made a quick trip to Tallahassee. You ever heard that before? Just a quick trip to Tallahassee, just zip over there and zip back, you know, just a quick trip. So I had a lot of time to think in the car, had a lot of time to think. And so as I was thinking about things, just kind of riding along in the car, I thought about, I go out of my way to do my best not to be, or at least not to present myself as a religious person. Does that make sense? And that is so hard to do as a pastor of a church. Because people want to automatically, they say, well, you're the pastor of a church. They want to put me in the category of religious person. That's what they want to do. It's like they don't know what else to do with you. You're a preacher, you're religious. I can't stand being religious. Do you want to be religious? Just imagine me. I, I do not want to be known as a religious person. Now, if you want to call me a spiritual person, I'm on board. I'm on board with that. Okay, But don't call me a religious person. I don't like that. Because religious people are bad. They're just bad. And it's because, it's because they have in their own mind, like, this is how it works. You know, this is the system. They've already interpreted the scripture. They've got in their mind kind of what they think God and Jesus is about. They've got their system. And if you don't fit that, then they'll come after you. That's what religious people do. Religious, when you read this scripture, you know this woman's here. She's not denying that she did what she was accused of. She's not denying that. But Jesus looked at her. If there was anybody in the world who could have condemned her, it was Jesus. And he said, I don't condemn you. All the religious people did in this story. 
That's why I say religious people are bad. So watch out for the religious people. Now, again, just kind of step back a moment. What we are about is a relationship with Jesus, right? Not religion, but relationship. If, if you want to talk about me or you want someone to talk about you, I hope it's done like this. We're talking about someone who has a relationship with Jesus. Yes, the Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago, the one who walked in Bethlehem and Nazareth and Galilee and Jerusalem, and then the Romans put him on a cross. You know, the religious people and the government people, they conspired together and they had him killed. And, you know, to everyone's shock, three days later, he rose from the dead. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. He's still alive. You can talk to him right now. He is the reason people like us gather together on Sunday mornings all over the world because he's not dead, he's alive. And so if you want to talk about me, talk about me as a person who has a relationship with Jesus the Christ, the living Lord. Don't talk about me as a religious person because the religious people will get you in trouble. So <clears throat> when you're thinking about sin in your own life, something you've done wrong, number one, don't deny it, right? I mean, you can, but it won't help you. You know, if, you, if you've done it, you've done it. And, and there's no one in this room that's not a sinner, okay? So if you're here and you're going, I hope these people don't know about me. It doesn't matter if we know or not. We're all guilty. The guy holding the mic's guilty of sin. The people sitting in the chairs are guilty of sin. My wife's over there. Oh, I, I'm not talking about my wife. She is a saint, by the way. <laughs> my wife is a saint. <laughs> I'm going to tell her you clap too, Mike. That's my wife. She is a saint. All right, so we've all sinned. We know that. We've all sinned. It's just that religious people will condemn you for it. And Jesus doesn't. And, and I've thought about this story so many times, even when I was a teenager. Like, why did Jesus not say anything to her? You know, why did he, did, why did he not condemn her? And then, and then one day it just kind of dawned on me. He's the only one who could do anything about her sin. You know, whatever her sins were, we know in this scripture, but I mean, think about any sin. Whatever your sin is, you know what the Bible teaches about it. Any sin's worthy of death. That's pretty scary, right? We don't want to think about how serious our sin really is, but that's what it is. Sin is worthy of death. So I can't die enough times to pay for all my sins. The only one who can really do anything about it is Jesus. And he was going to do it through his own death once for everybody. And so he looked at this woman who's guilty of sin, just like he could look at me guilty of sin. And he's, he would say the same thing. I'm not going to condemn you either. But the religious people will. So if you're dealing with sin in your life and other people know about it and you want to do a reset. All right. Do a reset. You can do that with Jesus. But but keep this in mind. Watch out for the religious people. They, they will come after you. They will condemn you. They will do the things that will not be helpful to you. So watch out for the religious people. Find those people who focus on a relationship with Jesus. Find those people who are spiritual people, not religious people. All right, number two. Stay long enough to hear Jesus. Stay long enough to hear Jesus. And this is what I mean by that. Think about what happened. Pharisees bring this woman in, okay? I'm sure she didn't want to be there. And some ladies today are probably thinking, well, why did she go along with it? Well, it was the first century. You know, she didn't have really the same kind of choices and whatever. It was just a different different world. But there she is. And, and when Jesus started doing the thing that he did, and, and I got a text about this yesterday. Once I put the information out about what we're, we're doing today, someone texted me and they said, well, what did he write? 
Actually, the message said, what did he write? And, and I just text back, question mark, what, what are you talking about? And so the reply was, when he wrote on the ground, what did he write? And I'm like, oh, you're talking about the scripture. I got it now. Okay, so what did Jesus write on the ground? Nobody knows, right? Nobody really knows. I got my guesses, though. My personal favorite is this. He stooped down. He started writing in the dirt, naming the sins of the people who brought her. That's, my, that's what I want him to have written. That, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping he's writing down their sins. He's naming names. You know, he's just, and, and as he does so, people are leaving. They're like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> he knows. And, and they're all leaving. That's what I hope is happening. Because they all leave. And at some point, for this woman, she had to, it had to cross her mind, right? Like, okay, this is over. I'm out too. Right? She could have left. But she didn't. She just stayed. She knew why they brought her there. She knew this whole thing was falling apart. Everybody was gone. But she stayed. And that's what I'm trying to say to you and me today. When you need a reset, you got to stay long enough to hear from Jesus. And, and, and I'll apply that two ways. Let's say someone makes their way into church. You know, they just... They show up at church. They're having a rough time. They, you know, sin and the consequences of it. It's just kind of wrecked their lives. And they look around one day and they go, you know what? I think I'll go to church today. It can't get any worse. <laughs> I'll go to church today. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Maybe God is there, right? So, so they make their way in church and they find a seat and they're just sitting there, you know. And, and, and if you go into a good church that doesn't have a lot of religious people, it's got relationship people, they'll love you. And they'll accept you just like you are. Doesn't matter how messed up your life is. They're not, they're not trying to straighten out your life. You know, you got to deal with Jesus on that. So you go into a good church, that's kind of what happens. But you got to stay long enough to hear from Jesus. You got to hang around long enough till he speaks. And if, and if you just kind of look at it and go, oh, okay, this was nice. I gave it a shot. I'm out. You may miss something life altering. And I would say the same thing about it in a, in a personal Application, just like your individual life. If you start to pray about something, if you start to think about something, you start to think about, well, okay, I've been doing this, and I'll at least admit now I probably shouldn't have. Isn't that how it starts for people? They don't just come all out and go, man, I, 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 I'm such a sinner. They don't do that. They go, maybe I probably shouldn't have thought about trying that or something. You know, it's real easy. You just kind of work your way into it. But when you start that, and maybe you're reading something in the Bible, maybe you're praying, whatever you're doing to kind of get moving in the right direction, just, just stay long enough to hear from Jesus. That's what I'm saying. Stay long enough to hear from Him because I promise He has something to say. He may not say it yet because you're not ready yet to hear it. You're not ready yet to accept it. You're not ready yet for the change that needs to happen. So just stay long enough to hear from Jesus. And when this happened and this lady had a way out, she didn't leave. She just stayed there. She just waited until he spoke. So those are the first two things. You want to watch out for the religious people and you want to stay long enough to hear Jesus. Here's number three. My favorite one, I think. Let Jesus deal with them. Them. Whoever them might be, right? Let Jesus deal with them. If you have accusers, let Jesus deal with them. You got people that want to come after you, let Jesus deal with them. You got people that want to lie about you, let Jesus deal with them. Let it go. Let it go, right? Let it go. 
if you try to fight stuff like that, it always gets worse, right? Always gets worse. And think about this. How many times have you tried to change someone's mind about something and actually been successful, right? Because, I mean, if they're mad with you and they're upset with you and they're coming after you and all of that, you're not going to have a nice sit down and explain yourself and everything's going to be fine. It's not. So you let Jesus deal with that. It, it can really help you pray, help you pray a lot. And I had to think about it. <laughs> this is how I think of myself. I think of myself as a nice person, right? That's how I think of myself. I like to think of myself as who would want me as an enemy, right? Who would want to be my enemy? That, that's what I like to think. And then, and I said to Michelle, I said, Michelle, help me understand. Help me remember because I only remember the good stuff. Are y'all guilty of that? That's me. My, I remember the good stuff, and if it's bad, I just let it go. I let it go. I remember the good stuff. So I said, Michelle, help me remember this. We've been doing this a long time. How many enemies do I have? Help me remember something. Well, she started naming people. <laughs> she, she don't forget the way I forget. Oh, I wish she was in here to hear me say that. Just to brag on her. Like, she starts naming people, and I go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, she's reaching way on back to people that, that for whatever reason, just, you know, got after me about something. They're all long stories. And, but, but let me tell you. Let me tell you what I did for every single one of them. I left them alone. That's what I did. I can't fix them. I can't change their mind. I can't make them apologize or anything like that. I can't do that. And I know that. But then you just let Jesus deal with it. And I was thinking about one. I, I, you know, I tell you his name and all that stuff, but this will be recorded. And if it ever got out there, it would just not be good. So, so he's a real person that's going to remain nameless. But he didn't talk to me for, I know, 10 or 12 years. 10 or 12 years. And, um, you know, he got real upset with me about something that I couldn't do a thing about. And it all got worse from there. And, and, and in his own practical way, he made himself my enemy. So I don't like that, but that's what happened. And then he didn't speak to me for a long, long time. And then one day we were at a, a meeting, kind of a government city meeting where you got all these leaders together. And I was there, and there he was. And I just went right over to the guy and hugged him because I hug people. You know, I just went right over to the guy and hugged him, said hello. It was a public setting. I don't think he could cuss me out right there. So, you know, out we went. It was a start. It was a start in the right direction. And uh, here we are all these years later. And I won't say we're friends or anything, but we're cordial. You know, we, we get along fine. All that's water under the bridge. It's all gone. You know, it's just it's in the past. And then you let it go. Right. So, again. Yeah. Let it go. So that's what I'm trying to say. If you, you can't fix it today anyway. So just let Jesus deal with them, whoever the them might be in your life. Let, let Jesus handle that. And, and if, it, if it's bothering you and it really stirs your heart and you can't sleep at night, learn to take that to God in prayer. Learn to pray about that stuff. Just, just pray about it and pray about it. And, and do the, and when, when you're really mad with somebody, you can at least pray the prayer like this. Lord, bless those people who by their actions have made themselves my enemy. <laughs> right? That's the least you can do. Because Jesus said, pray for those who curse you. Right? Pray for those who, who uh, persecute you. Pray for those who hate you. That's what Jesus said to do. 
which I'm going to say this like you say it in Alabama, that ain't easy, right? That ain't easy to pray for the people that, that persecute you and hate you. But that's what Jesus said do. So if you can't pray it any other way, just pray it like that. Lord, bless those who by their actions made themselves my enemy. However you need to say it. And it's, if you'll hear what I'm saying today, it's not so much a prayer for them as it is what happens to you. When you start to pray and ask God to bless people who, who've come after you, when you start to do that, yeah, God may answer that prayer in his own way out there and you'll never know it, but it changes you. It puts you on the path of doing the right thing. It puts you in line with what Jesus taught. It, it, he didn't teach us this just because. He taught us this because it's good for us. It's good for our soul. It changes who we are. It gets us ready to live the kind of life we need to live. It gets us ready for the life we're going to live after this in eternity. That's what it does. And, and, and so if you think of it like that, of course there are going to be people sooner or later that are going to be your enemies. And you're going to have to learn to pray for them. Not hate them, but pray for them. He didn't say, well, he did say it. You have to love your enemies. I wanted to say he didn't say you have to love them, but he did say that, didn't he? And, and if, you, if you're going to ever get to the point where you can love people like that, you've got to start by praying for them. And then just let Jesus deal with them. That's what happened in this story. Now let me give you one more. You have to receive... Grace and responsibility. And that's the part of this story that just gets real personal to the individual. Because Jesus says something here that's just startling. It's striking. She's guilty of sin. Yes. But nobody else can condemn her because Jesus has made that real clear. They've all left the scene. And Jesus puts it out there as a question. You know, he's, he's the great teacher. Puts it out there as a question. He says, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She needed to answer that question, right? The answer is, no, they're all gone. And again, if you'll receive this today, this is what we're saying. There is no one in this world who can actually condemn you. Right? They're all guilty as you are. <laughs> There's no, they may try to make themselves your judge. They may try to condemn you. But in reality, there is no one in this world who is actually your judge or could condemn you. No one. No one. And the one who could said this next. I don't condemn you either. So they, they're not here and they can't condemn you. And she recognized that. And then Jesus adds it. I don't condemn you either. That might be a phrase you need to write on a card and put it on your refrigerator. Or stick it to your mirror in the morning. Or put it in your car on the dash where you can see it every day. Because if you live with guilt, if you live with shame, if you can't get past those things, you just need to hear the words from Jesus. I don't condemn you. He could, but he won't. He doesn't. He does not. So where do we get that stuff from? Where, where does that sense of self-condemnation, where does that come from? There's only a few options. One, it just comes from us. You know, we come up with it. We condemn ourselves. Two, it comes from our spiritual enemy. 
It just has ways of putting thoughts into your circle and you just kind of grab that and embrace it and hold on to it. But it's really your spiritual enemy trying to say to you that you're not good enough. You're not worthy. Look at all the things you've done. You could never. You can't. That's what your spiritual enemy wants to do. And third, you can get those ideas from important people in your life. You know, if somebody important to you tells you you're not good enough, you're not worthy, or that they hate you or something like that. If somebody important communicates that to you, sometimes you just take that to heart. You let that seed get planted in your heart and you let it grow and you feel the condemnation and you feel the shame from it. And it's not from God. It's not from Jesus. Now, let me tell you the one thing that does come from God. It's called conviction, not condemnation, but conviction. And here, and this is the difference with conviction. Conviction is it's 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 a sweet thing, not bitter, because conviction is I'm standing before Jesus and I know beyond any doubt where I am, what I've done, and that he's the only one who can fix it. So conviction has has a sweetness to it, not a bitterness to it. Condemnation is always bitter. Condemnation leads to more bitterness. But conviction is sweet in nature and it leads to better because it helps you get things right. God, through his spirit, brings conviction. That conviction is a moment when you can change. And it's like Jesus has opened the door. He says, "Okay, here's your way out. Your way out is I've paid for your sin. I'm not going to condemn you for it. I'm going to condemn myself and I'm going to open the door and I'm going to let you walk free. And I'm going to bring you into a different kind of life where you can find freedom and healing and love. And you'll have the opportunity to live the way you should live. That's what comes out of conviction. Condemnation throws you in jail. Conviction sets you free. That's the difference. So when you're thinking about it today, you have to receive both the grace of God and the responsibility. Because this is what Jesus did for that lady that day. He said, I'm not going to condemn you. So that's grace. Then he added to that. So go and don't sin anymore. So she knew when she walked away that she had the choice, right? She had the choice. So it's both receive the grace of God and take on the responsibility that you have to live a life that honors God. Now, I'll just tell you, there's no shortcut around this. If you want to live a life that honors God, you will need God's help. You can't do it on your own. You don't have enough strength. You don't have enough power. You don't have it in you to make the right decisions all the time. You just don't. But if you want to live a life that honors God more than it doesn't, then you're going to pray and you're going to ask him to help you with every decision that you face. I was talking with someone last week about temptation. And this is this is what's being presented, especially to young people today, that if you feel something, it must be okay, Right. So if you feel it. Then it's okay to do it. You know, that, that's, a, that's a, it's a message culturally that's getting sent to people in music and TV and through, you know, personalities. That, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, if you feel that it, you want to do this, then it's okay to do that. And I'm, I'm just thinking, okay, maybe that sticks because you just don't know anything about the Bible at all. <laughs> because what, what's taught in the Bible is a different word. It's called temptation. Temptations when you feel like doing something you shouldn't, right? If you didn't feel like doing it, it wouldn't be temptation. There's no temptation if you don't want to do that. 
So I never try to shame anybody for feeling what they feel, okay? Because people feel things. All of us feel things that are not good for us or good for others, okay? But life is about choices and actions. And just because you feel something doesn't mean you have to do it. Just because you feel like doing something doesn't mean it's good. Just because you feel like doing something doesn't mean that it's okay, right? It means it's a temptation if it's something that's wrong for you. And one of the great um, joys of the Christian life is to watch how your life changes and how the things you want change, how the things you desire change, how the things you feel start to change. Your, your wants, your feelings, your desires, they start to line up more with the will and way of God. And you notice more about yourself that what you really want is to honor God in this thing. And what you really don't want is the thing that you used to want to do. That's one of the great joys of the Christian life is to have your, your feelings and your want to's begin to change in a way that honors God. So again, you have to accept both the grace that you're not condemned and accept the responsibility that it's your choice to make. With all the work God does in you and with all the things that he brings about in your life, he still never takes away your ability to choose. You get to make the choice. You get to cooperate with God or not. You get to choose to honor him or not with the things that you do and say. You get to make that choice. Jesus gave that to this woman, and when she walked away, she knew two things. One, I get to make the choice, and number two, he does not condemn me. And if you can take that away today, it'll do you a world of good. Now, here's the way I want to end this. We're thinking about a reset. You know, and, and you may have something in your life and you go, this is pretty much just brought bad to me. I thought it was going to help. I thought it was going to be good. I thought it was what I wanted to do. But in the end, it's just brought pain and trouble. So I need a reset. And if that's what you need today, I really I want you to hear the words that Jesus said to another woman who needed a reset. And that was, I'm not going to condemn you. So don't go do that anymore. That's pushing the reset button. And if you need a reset in some other way, I want you to take that to God today. What we'll do in just a moment, we'll stand together, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then I'm just going to play some music over here softly. And I want us to have just, just a few minutes for you to think and for you to pray. And just right where you are, we'll all be standing. You could just do that. I want you to have that time. And then I'm going to come around. I'll be standing right over here. And if you want to pray with me, I'll be glad to pray with you as well. But this is our time of response. It's our time to respond to God. So stand with me and we'll pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what is communicated to us. And Lord, we, we see the grace. And we see the responsibility. It's my prayer for every person here that, Lord, they will just say yes to you. And that they will, just like that woman so long ago, accept the grace that you have. And then go out from this place, living a life that Jesus time. We give you this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please be, please be seated for a moment. Two things I want to do. I want to talk about something for a moment, and then I want us to take up our offering. That will be the last thing we do today as part of our worship. But many of you know Sam, and um, she's been living in a, um, in a home, a group home uh, for women and children for the last eight weeks. And she's down to... Uh, just the last few days that she's supposed to stay there. So unless something's changed, I think Tuesday is the last day she could stay there. So she's there with um, her two children. The baby's due in October. I don't remember the date. Does anybody remember the date? It's, it's going to be soon. Baby's due soon. But she's really, unless something changes with the facility she's in, she's she's going to be homeless in, in the coming week. So we just, we want to to think about that and I want you to know about it I want everybody to know it because it's, it's part of our church family and if there's something if there's somebody we can put her in contact with if there's anything we can do then that that's what we want to do and of course what's going to happen in a moment we're going to take up our offering we're going to have our closing prayer we're going to start breaking everything down but we've got a little while um, as we get out of here so if you've got some ideas or thoughts about what we can do as a church or anybody we need to talk to in ways that we can help um, that's what we want to do. You know, we want to see if there's anything we can do as her church family to be of help to her. Uh, because again, Tuesday is going to be here 
very, very quickly. So pray for Sam, pray for the kids, and let's just, let's take a moment and do that right now, okay? Cheryl, you want to say something? Yeah, I do. Uh, Linda, Linda. do have all her contact information and I saw her on um, I saw her yesterday saw her Saturday so it's just you know it's she I know she's looked at a lot and they've tried to help her from where they are but you know maybe we have some connections that, that they don't have so let's talk about that today before you leave if you've got any ideas and thoughts on it uh, let me know or let Cheryl know and we'll we'll go from there okay all right, last thing we want to do is we want to take up our offering, and we just look at offering as, as part of worship, as part of, of what we do. And, you know, God has given us something to give, and so we give. It's, it's not the amount you give. It's just the fact that you can give. It lets you reflect something. Look at all these kids coming in. It's just wonderful, isn't it? And Michelle. Hey, Michelle, I talked about you today. <laughs> all right. But uh, we're going to take up our offering in a moment. And uh, Scott, would you and John help me to do this? And um, you can, the rest of you, you can remain seated. Uh, but we just want to give this. We're, we're going to ask God to do something with it that is a miracle. We want him to take something like money and turn it into something that lasts forever. So let's pray that today. Father in heaven, we love you. We're so grateful. We want to pray for Sam today. God, would you make a way for her? And if there's someone in this room or, or some idea that we can, could, could just crystallize in our minds today of how to help her or the connection that needs to be made, God, would you show us? Because we want this uh, young mom and her children to have somewhere to be that's safe and healthy and good, uh, especially over these next few weeks as the baby's born and then as Sam starts looking for work. So we just pray, Lord, that you would do a great thing here. And Lord, if you'll do it through your church, then we're grateful for that as well. We do thank you that you give us something to give and that we have something to give today. We want to take up this offering and we pray, Lord, that every, every part of this offering, no matter how big or how small, that God, you would take it, use it in such a way that people hear about your son, Jesus, and that people come into your kingdom and eternal good comes from this offering. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.